This is Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael on 1620 The Zone and the 1620 The Zone mobile app. Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael is a production of Justin Michael Sports, LLC. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. I am the host. And today's show is going to be really exciting and fun, but today is going to be a little different. I am flying solo today. Mr. Michael Scott is traveling. He's out of state. He has a thoroughbred two-year-old getting ready to run for the first time. I wish him nothing but the best of luck and a nice clean trip. Hopefully everybody enjoyed last weekend. I gave out a free play, free plays, actually three, not one, three was profitable, went two and one. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that. The Texas Longhorns covered, Florida Gators covered, and then we did have Boise. So we go a solid two and one. So I know I got a lot of people that contacted me on that. A lot of new VIP members. Once again, you can always follow me at Justin M Wins 247. You can always pick up the phone, call me 402-513-3232. And I would always stress this. If you're out there and you're going to invest you know who you are. You like college football. You like NFL. College basketball is right around the corner. Finished, documented, 34-2. and two. Let me repeat that. 34-2 and two against the spread, documented. So if you're going to do that, for less than $25 a week, you can be a VIP member. All you have to do is go to justinmichaelsports.com. And again, if you have any questions, you can always give me a call, 402-513-3232. Okay, if you've listened to the show in the past, you know kind of what the what the game plan is. We're going to go over college football, what happened last week. We'll go into some NFL. Then we'll get into this weekend's action and go from there. So let's start off. Last week in college football, we'll start off with the big game in the SEC. Well, it was supposed to be a big game. Alabama, Tennessee. Alabama rolls 49-10. Jalen Hurts and company go in on back-to-back road. If you remember, they go into Texas A&M. I'm sorry, not Texas A&M, scratch that. They go in there and they play at Arkansas to a team that Arkansas will get to a little bit later that that does beat Ole Miss. They turn around and go on the road to Tennessee. At the time, was a top-10 team, and they win 49-10. to A couple takeaways from that game. Number one is... Alabama, as we already know this, just reloads and reloads and reloads again. Their defensive front, there is six to seven that will instantly be in the NFL first two rounds. Then on the back end, their DBs, their safeties, Eddie Jackson is all world. Then on offense, Calvin Ridley, when they want to go to him, they also have Stewart Howard, who's going to be a very good tight end, Cam Robinson, the left tackle. And really with Jalen Hurts, if you look at his numbers in that game, he goes 16 for 26 for 143 in interception. Nothing spectacular. But what he does is Alabama is a running the football team. They run, they run, then they set up the play action, and then they go to Calvin Ridley or Howard, and then they have three tailbacks right now, kind of a rotation. Normally they have an Ingram or they have a Lacey or they have a Yeldon. They have a feature back. Right now they have three, and their quarterback I count pretty much as four. Um, if there was one knock on Hertz that I would have with him is I think through time he'll get better as a thrower. Um, but right now I have a little bit of question marks with him. But remember, the kid's a true freshman, incredible talent, amazing at what they do. Another incredible stat for Alabama, 
that was the 10th game in a row now where they've had an inter- they've had a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. So every every game they're having one or two spectacular plays on defense and then it just takes off. You look at the second half alone, they win 28 to 3 in the second half at Tennessee. Uh, am I in love with Tennessee? No, I'm not. But they're pretty solid. I mean, they have playmakers. When you go into a place like that, you win 28-3 in the second half. The game is really never even close. Um, it's just amazing at what they do. Um, and, again, they continue to prove why Alabama every year is in the hunt for the national championship. And before I leave that note, Nick Saban, five national championships. Incredible. Um, the other thing is, too, I mean, it will be 49-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter with three minutes left, and he looks like he's upset, like they're going to lose the game. Um, it's just incredible. The beat continues. So Alabama rolls. They go to 7-0, and um, and now they're 4-0 in the SEC, looking to continue to move on for the national title. Another game that was a great primetime game, Ohio State-Wisconsin. A couple big things that I take away from that is, is the big thing with me is, is Ohio State, you know, these teams that constantly deliver year in and year out, it's amazing to see kind of what they do. And what I mean by that is is when all when everything looked bad against them in the first half and everyone's thinking, okay, this is the game where they slip up, they find a way to step up. And, you know, it was a great game all the way down to the end, but the heart that I found from Ohio State when everything was going against them, a late game, night game in Wisconsin, very tough place to play. Wisconsin is very good at home, very sound coaching, good defense. I love Fumagalli, the tight end. One of my favorites in all of college football. But JT Burt makes plays. The defense steps up. I love Malik Hooker. Great safety. Uh, playmaker everywhere. Nick Bosa is going to be amazing. Uh, Sam Hubbard. I mean, the list goes on and on. Kind of like Alabama. You know, top five recruiting. A very good coach. You add up all that together and look out. So it was amazing to me that I thought that Ohio State really, you know, you can just see they weren't clicking on all cylinders. Wisconsin had a very good play calling with Paul Christ. Corey Clement had a very good game, 25 carries for 164. He finally got back on track. But if you take a look at Wisconsin, it's basically run, 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 play action of Fumagalli. And they had that. They found that. But there was a couple times on third and five where Ohio State would just make kind of a play. It's like they don't make that play. Typically, they always deliver. Um, they just weren't playing the same. They had probably their C game. And all of a sudden, the second half, they start to kind of show back up a little bit, and then they find a way to win in overtime. Sometimes when you look back, those are the deciding games that go on for you to possibly win a national championship. So a lot of teams that are kind of on the fringe of being very good, they find a way to lose. Ohio State shows me, guess what? We find a way to win. And again, Wisconsin, I felt like there's no losers in that contest. They're four and two. Look at their two losses at Michigan by seven. Close game the whole entire time. They're up the whole game against Ohio State. Really played very hard. You're talking about a freshman quarterback. You know, they lost Dave Aranda. Justin Wilcox has done a very good job. They are so sound at the linebacker position. They don't make any mistakes. They all play very heady. I've been really impressed with Wisconsin. They have nothing to hang their hat about. Um, again, when you're talking about two teams in the top five, one on the road by seven at home, you lose to Ohio State by seven. Um, very impressive for Wisconsin, and I was also impressed in the second half by Ohio State. Going to more of the Midwest field, we'll go to Nebraska, goes on the road, hangs on, instantly up 17 nothing. Then all of a sudden, Indiana comes back to an Indiana team right now. You would think Kevin Wilson, when he got there to Indiana, 
He come from Oklahoma. He wanted to spread everybody out, score a lot of points. Now Indiana's trying to create some turnovers. Um, their defense has kind of got after it. When they played at Ohio State, G.T. Barry, I believe, had to run like 26 times. So they start to create a little bit of pressure. They have a very good new defensive coordinator there at Indiana. Um, when you think of Indiana, it's always, you know, score, score, score. Um, but Kevin Wilson's put some players in the NFL. Um, that team is starting to kind of slowly start to pick up. Um, and the, I thought the second half, Nebraska, obviously, um, Tommy Armstrong really struggled. Um, that's the thing with me about Tommy that I've said forever. I think he's a great athlete. But in my mind, he's basically a running back playing quarterback. I mean, you look at his numbers. He goes 10 for 26 for 208, one touchdown. I believe two interceptions, possibly could have had four. Um, the Brandon Riley catch was amazing. Stanley Morgan, the touchdown throw, those guys bang into each other. Um, when you're playing against the Ohio States, the Wisconsins, you're on the road and you're playing a little bit tougher opponent, that's typically when you lose the matchup. But with that being said, Nebraska is 6-0. and They're in the top 10. Sometimes if you play your C game and you still win, it carries you on week to week. We're up against the clock. When we come back, we will dive into the NFL. You are listening to Tackling the Odds. I am Justin Michael. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. And I recommend if anybody out there is going to invest, if you're like me and you have a passion and you truly love watching the games, having a little bit of investment money on it, and you want to make money, make sure you go to my website, justinmichaelsports.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at justinmwins247. If you ever have any questions, you can call me at 402-513-3232. Okay, in the last segment, we talked about college football, kind of went over a couple of the big games, and now we're going to slide into the NFL. Last, the first game I want to go over was the San Diego Chargers beating the Denver Broncos 21-13. Denver back-to-back losses. A couple of things that I really glanced over that I want to talk about on this game. Number one is, again, I talk about this all the time. When you have sometimes a coach um, that you know has been fired a couple spots, you kind of think, obviously, well, he's not going to get it done. He's not solid no more. But listen, Ken Wisenhut is a very good play caller on offense. If you look at San Diego this year, their offense has been very solid. Remember, offensive line's been banged up. You don't have your number one wide receiver, Keenan Allen. Gates was out the first couple games. Danny Woodhead goes down. What I like is Melvin Gordon all of a sudden now starts to look like, okay, that was the Melvin Gordon that we drafted in the first round. They also got uh, Watt, J.J. Watt's brother. Derek's in there. He's a fullback. Very good player there. So he matched him back up at Wisconsin, who was blocking for Gordon in Wisconsin. But I just like the things they're doing. They're really getting the, the ball out quick. Um, Hunter Henry, mark this down. The guy is going to be unbelievable. He was clearly the number one tight end in the draft. They did a very good job of him. He's grooming underneath Gates. I really like what I'm seeing from Hunter Henry, somebody that's really going to take it to the next step. So I think he's a very solid player. Also, Joey Bosa now is finally starting to play. First game, two sacks. He was back in there again. He looks very solid there. Remember, Jason Verrett's out. I mean, they have so many injured. Monte Teo's out. They have a lot of injuries, and they've been competitive in every game. And I really like what I see on offense. Tight end doing a very good job. Denver, to me, came in kind of flat. Um, Simeon just kind of getting back in the mix a little bit. It was a tough kind of a travel, short week, going out to the West Coast. It was kind of up against them. I'm not too worried about it. Um, Again, Denver's defense kind of hung in there a little bit. But I do like what I see at Devontae Booker. I talked about that earlier in the show, in the offseason, during the draft. 
He was so good out of Utah. One of those guys that you know, in the Pac-12, most people don't get a chance to watch him play. Tough runner, does an exceptional job, really runs really good between the tackles. Very good uh, pass-catching running back as well. So San Diego wins. They go 2-4. and four. Denver goes 4-2. and two. Moving along. Buffalo rolls 45-16. Ever since they fired their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, Anthony Lynn has got back to running the football. And right now, Shady McCoy is incredible right now. They've got him in a groove. Tyrod Taylor, last year I talked about this. I thought they needed to lock him up. They do. Um, really good. You know, if you look on the outside, Sammy Watkins has always been kind of injured. You basically have Robert Woods, who you'd say is a two or three wide receiver right now. Um, so it's not like he has all these weapons, um, but he can definitely run with his feet. He did that at Virginia Tech. Buffalo's getting back to what Rex Ryan did when he was successful for the Jets, which was run the football all the time and play very good defense. They're creating turnovers on defense. They're getting a lot of sacks this year, and you're number two for him on defense. Buffalo is turning the right direction. San Francisco, you know, you look at their roster like on offense, you just don't see any weapons, period. Um, they just don't have any weapons. I know Chip Kelly likes to run the football. Um, he's tried to kind of beef up the offensive line, but, you know, you've got to have some weapons on the outside, and they really don't. Um, losing Bauman was a blow on defense. You know, right now they haven't got too much out of their defensive line. They put two years back-to-back first rounds for Buckner and Armstead. Um, there's just a lot of holes in San Francisco right now. And um, the scary part is, again, you know, on last week's show I talked about this. If you take a look at Chip Kelly when he was in Philly, um, and then he leaves, and then Philly's made some kind of little strides right away, um, that's not really typically a good sign. So um, there's a lot of things going on in San Francisco right now, but Buffalo is turning the right direction. San Francisco is staying in the basement. Moving along, the Washington Redskins currently are starting to put together a little winning streak. They moved to 4-2 and two on the year. They win 27-20. Um, Carson Wentz, um, this was not his best game. Uh, Philly scored two times, two touchdowns, one special teams, one pick six. Um, you know, Washington is one of those teams that I feel like everyone's kind of sleeping on. Remember, last year they won the NFC East, and quietly they're 4-2 and two again. Very good coaching staff. Um, they could get better in a couple spots, on, particularly for me on the back end. Um, yes, Josh Norman, I like Sua Cravens, but he's kind of that hybrid. Um, they're a little weak in a couple spots back there, but overall – um, they have a lot of playmakers at the wide receiver position. Cousins is playing not nearly as good as last year, um, but they just have a lot of weapons. Matt Jones is picking up the slack at the tailback position. You know, they drafted him early out of Florida. Um, first couple years, he kind of split with Alfred Morris. Now it's his team to kind of run the ball. So when they can kind of have that balance, um, because they definitely had w- weapons at the wide receiver position, Jordan Reed's one of the better tight ends. Um, so I think Washington's going to be there in the end. Um, Philly's going to be one of those teams. We're going to see what we get with Philly. Um, did you come out right away and people didn't have a lot of film on Carson Wentz, so they had no clue what was going on, and then now we can kind of see kind of what he is? Or is Carson Wentz going to deliver uh, and stay kind of red hot like he was in the beginning? They've been competitive. Um, they should have never lost to Detroit with the fumble, um, but there's been a couple little areas that I do see um, where obviously right now they're kind of on that fringe. Are they going to take off or are they going to step back? So we're going to have to wait and see on that. Tennessee wins 28-26 over Cleveland. A couple notes on Tennessee. I talked about this in the draft. You know what they want to do. They want to run the football. 
They're starting to kind of get Mariota, what he did in Oregon, get him in that zone read, let him run a little bit more. He's not going to be a true pocket passer like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. Get him out a little bit. Let him roll out. Let him do some bootlegs. That's what he does. That's, in my opinion, the only way he's going to be successful, especially when you look at their wide receiver core. Kendall Wright, first rounder, maybe a two or a three. Um, they just don't have many other things than that besides Delaney Walker, who's probably right now arguably their best offensive player at a, a catching. So, you know, when you look at them with their three first-rounders on the offensive line, they just want to go with Murray and Henry, a zone read with Mariota, and then play decent defense. So, listen, I'm a running game defense kind of guy. So, overall, for Tennessee, there are some things that I do like what they're doing, uh, especially nowadays in age and everybody, just, everybody wants to just throw the football. So, Tennessee is one of those kind of a throwback teams. Another very good game was the New York Giants winning 27-23 over Baltimore. Both teams now slide to 3-3. Three and three. Every game Baltimore plays in comes down to the end. It's just crazy. Every game. Um, the Giants, to me, though, are one of those teams where I've talked about this. They have so many weapons with Cruz and Shepard and Odell Beckham. they got to get a running back in there. they got to find one. Rashad Jennings is not going to get it done. Um, Andre Williams hasn't really delivered. Um, it's just there's a lot of things there where you cannot rely just on the pass all the time. You go back to when they were good. They had Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw. They could run the ball, play defensive front. They spent a lot of money on defense. They're definitely better in that position. But to me, if you want to be elite, you got to have some kind of a running game. And typically, Manning gets a little pass happy, and then all of a sudden there's the interception. So if the Jets, or I'm sorry, the Giants want to go to the next step, they're going to have to find a running back. Um, and that might be next year, obviously, because right now I don't see it on the roster. But it was a very fun game. Odell Beckham had over 200 yards receiving, one of the best in the NFL. The Saints win a shootout, 41-38 over Carolina. The NFC champion Carolina Panthers are 1-5. and 1-5. and five. Josh Norman was a big blow, but if you kind of also take a look at them, they're getting older. Charles Johnson's getting up there. Their offensive line is is not even average. So there's a lot of pieces there where obviously they have some things going on. And sometimes you look back in Super Bowl history, the team that loses the Super Bowl, they really struggled the very next year. So we're up against the clock. When we come back, we will dive into this week's college football matchups. You are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. And on the last segment, we kind of went over last week's NFL games. The first segment, we went over the college football pass games. So now we can finally get into this week's action of college football. I picked a game here I think a lot of people will be interested in. I know it's going to be a, a big marquee matchup, the number one team in the country. And you think, believe, Texas A&M is sixth in the country. Currently, let's go into this matchup Texas A&M at Alabama. Alabama is 18. The total is sitting at 58 and a half. Once again, 18, 58 and a half. A couple things I want to go over here currently. I know if you're out there, you're a trend person. And last week we kind of talked about this. The trends were on Alabama at Tennessee. We'll go over a couple here. Texas A&M is on the under, is 5-0 in the last five road games versus a team with the winning home record. They're also 7-0 and on the under Texas A&M, the last seven road games. And Alabama on the under is 8-1 and the last nine games after allowing less than 170 yards passing in their last game. So trends say under, total sitting at 58.5 if you were a trend person. Remember, 
I am, it's just a mixture of about 20 things I look at. So when I say these things, it doesn't mean that Justin Michael likes them because again, if you're listening to this show, if you want the best and you want my stuff, you got to go to justinmichaelsports.com. Okay, let's go over a couple of things here. A couple of things that I've really noticed here that I really have picked up on with Texas A&M and I talked about this, there was three teams, two teams really come to mind though that I've really seen a difference in kind of overall kind of who they've become. Number one, Texas A&M, everybody's going to talk about Trevor Knight, kind of what he's done and all these different things on offense and that they finally got settled in at the quarterback position. That's some of it. But also their defense has played very well. John Chavis uh, in year number two, first year kind of struggled. Um, but they're, they're tackling. Miles Garrett is possibly the number one overall pick. Um, reminds me of like a, um, a Von Miller type coming out of A&M. Got that long kind of arms, just kind of a different type style athlete. Just freakish fast off the end. Um, very scary. Remember, A&M has recruited very well. Um, Kevin Sumlum, they can recruit. Um, so now it's kind of putting the pieces together. The wide receiver position with Kristen Kirk, uh, Ricky Seal Jones, Speedy Noel, um, those are big-time recruits. Um, and so obviously they have the talent. Um, as good as Alabama, well, no, but basically no one has that. But trust me, they have talent. Um, so a couple things. They're just not turning the ball over as much. Um, and again, number one, the defense to me. Trivion Williams on running back position has really done a very good job. Then Keith Ford, who also came out of Oklahoma with Knight, um, has kind of been a nice one-two punch. Now, A&M has won a couple games at home um, where they played beginning of the season where it was a double overtime victory over UCLA. Um, you know, they, they gave up a late lead. They also, against Tennessee, gave up another late lead, and they won in overtime both times. So two times where they had leads um, over two touchdowns at home, and they let that team come back, and they did win. They are 6-0 and straight up. They're 4-2 and against the spread. Um, and Alabama, obviously, is 7-0 and straight up, and they're 5-2 and against the spread. So both teams have been very profitable this year when you're talking about the spreads. So, again, again talking about Texas A&M, quarterback play, um, been pretty solid. Also, we can take off with his feet. I think a lot of people think of Trevor Knight, pass, 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 but he can take off with the feet, wide receiver position very well. And if you go back and look, there has been some times that Texas A&M has gave some fits to Alabama. We all know the game where, obviously, Johnny Manziel went in there and, and pulled out the victory back in 2012, 29-24. Um, that was impressive there. But then the last two times, though, Alabama won 59 to nothing over Texas A&M and then came back and won 41-23 and they've covered the last two. So the trends were, the first couple times Kevin Sumlin, Texas A&M covered, but then the last twos went straight up Alabama and also against the spread. Going into Alabama again, because you know when I talk about these marquee mashups, they just, it's amazing to think about last year what they lost on that defensive line, losing Henry, I mean, losing so many of these guys, and they just step up year after year after year. And again, they're playing some of the big marquee matchups. I mean, you go into Arkansas, talking about a top 15 program. In my mind, Brett Billman does a great job, uh, and you win pretty convincingly. Then you go on the road and play Tennessee, top 10 team. And now you come back and you have another top 10 team. Some can say, well, the SEC gets a little bit too much love. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is they're playing very good teams here. So this is going to be three weeks in a row where Alabama obviously is going to have to play another tough opponent. A couple things, though, when I look in the first glance that I see, remember a couple things. When you have Alabama, and right now, 
everybody knows everyone's going to be on Alabama, you start to get kind of an inflated line. So when I glance at that 18 and sitting at 58 and a half, and this is not going to be a game for my VIP members, I can tell you that right now. So remember this. So when I go into this game and I kind of talk about things, big difference of talking about a game and putting it down and documenting a play. But when I glance at that game and the first thing I look at and I see 18, I'm thinking probably in Vegas or wherever they're at in the set um, across in Vegas would have been around two touchdowns. But because of the love and because Alabama's rolling and because every week um, Vegas and across the world, they don't need Alabama, they're going to bump that and move that up to 18. So that's probably an inflated line. Um, so obviously if you're sitting there and you think you might have a little value and you got 18 points, you can take A&M. The flip side is going to be typically when a team like that's at home against Alabama, you know, if I'm going to play an underdog, I kind of want to play a team that I think is going to win the game outright. Um, and obviously the odds that are probably going to be very slim. Um, so again, then the whole time you're sitting there saying, okay, well, hopefully they just stay within the 18. It's kind of a hard time to sit back and, and, and play that theory because the whole time you're just thinking, get the clock over, get the clock over. And we've seen with Alabama, they create a lot of defensive touchdowns, special teams, and then once it starts to slide, they can pin their ears back, and then it just starts to get out of control. But I do think that line is a little bit bumped up high. I probably think that was two touchdowns, and that moves up to 18. So I think you got a little bit of an inflated line there, especially after the last two times. You also take a look, and if we go back, like last week, Alabama was favored 14. I mean, they win by 39. So when you have some of these contests um, where they're in there and they're just completely dominating that point spread, that is a very tough thing to come back. Then when they're setting those lines and come back and put something in that same area. So obviously they got to keep putting it higher and higher and higher. And right now the public, for since Saban's been there, they have a tough time going against Alabama. And how can you blame them? The problem is, is when do you when do you say to yourself the line's just too much now? It's getting too inflated. Kind of the same theory on New England. Yes, they've been covering. Um, you know, and you get sometimes all the times people say, well, why don't you play New England all the time? Because you know what? They're inflated. And if you sit back and look at the balance of that, it will all even out. Trust me, Vegas knows who everyone's going to be on. If you talk about the NFL, it's going to be New England. They know they're going to be on them every week. It's going to be the same thing, especially at home. So when you talk about Alabama, it's going to be the same thing. So again, it's one of those games. You know, if I had to, if I had to play something, which I'm not on this game, I probably have to lean on A&M just because I think I'm getting a bumped up line. I've seen enough out of A&M where I do think their defense is pretty good. And a couple things, real quick, again about Jalen Hurts, a great athlete, but I have seen him a couple times where his pass, where where he throws, his decision making's been a little bit poor. So if you can really shut down the run and really say, okay, you're going to have to beat me in the air, I think that's going to be a huge deal here. John Chavis coming from LSU. There was a couple times where LSU played, obviously, Alabama very well. He knows what Alabama likes to do. So I look for them to really try to shut the run down and try to beat them through the air with Calvin Ridley or Stewart. Right now, he's more of a dual threat, more to me, more of a runner than a thrower. Now, with that being said, he's got talent all around him, but... He's not, to me, like a Deshaun Watson where he can throw and run, and I feel like he has a very high completion percentage. He still makes some decisions that I get a little shaky about. Remember, he's we're talking about a true freshman. So it should be a lot of fun. I know it's going to be one of the big games for the weekend, talking about a 1 versus 10. Again, to recap, Alabama is 18, total sitting at 58.5. Trends are on the under. I think it might be a little bit of inflated line. So if you were wanting a little bit of my opinion, 
I, that's what I want to give you. A little bit of inflated line. Might want to look at A&M. Might want to look at the under. We're up against the clock. When we come back, I'm going to dive into the NFL. You're listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. And we are in one of my favorite segments, which is the NFL. If anyone knows me, you know I love the NFL. It's been a nice season in the NFL. Looking forward to it continuing the success. Once again, before I get into any of the NFL matchups this week, remember, you can always go to justinmichaelsports.com for less than $25 a week. You can be a VIP member. Always follow me on Twitter at JustinMWins247. And if you have a question, you're sitting there saying, what about this or what about that, or you just want to ask me a question, you can always pick up the phone. Call me at 402-513-3232. Okay, let's go into one of the big marquee matchups. I know I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be a lot of fun. You have two powerhouses in the NFC West. You have the Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Currently, Arizona is sitting at a slight favorite at two. Total sitting at 43 and a half. Okay, a couple things I want to go over here on the teams and kind of where they're at. Seattle is four and one straight up. They're two and three against the spread. Arizona is three and three straight up, three and three against the spread. Seattle coming off a very entertaining close game at home to Atlanta where they win 26 24, did not cover in that game, favored seven points. In that contest, Atlanta off back-to-back road going into the road to Denver. And then a very controversial call late in the game where Julio Jones definitely was pass interference with Richard Sherman, um, which would have put him into a field goal range. So Atlanta's played some good football the last couple weeks. But Seattle does win. Uh, But before that, Russell Wilson does drive down the field and score, so give him a lot of credit there. I know he's got a bum ankle pretty bad right now, but they're finding a way to get it done. And I talk about it every week. The teams that are solid find a way to win. The teams that are kind of on the fringe, they find a way to lose. So again, there's a couple things I want to go over. Let's go over the trends. I always get people that ask me, say, I like it when you go over the trends. Well, I'm going to give you the trends. There's a couple things here. Head-to-head, when these two teams play, the road team is 5-1 and one against the spread the last six meetings. The Seattle Seahawks are 5-2 and two against the spread the last seven versus Arizona. And this one will be in there if you're a total person. The overs is 10-2 and two the last 12 meetings in Arizona. So the trends say Seattle and the over. Again, right now, Arizona's a slight favorite. Pretty much call it pick'em, but Arizona's just two. Total sitting at 43 and a half. A couple things I want to go over again. Right now, currently, Seattle, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Go figure. No surprise there. Obviously, they're looking very solid. The big injury note, though, last week was Michael Bennett on a knee. looks like he's probable, so that's a good thing there because it was kind of a low block, kind of a nasty block there on the knee, um, and that could have been bad. I believe Cam Chancellor comes back. He looks like he's probable with his groin. He sent out last week. So typically when I'm looking here at Seattle, I don't see any injuries. Thomas Rolls has been out for a while. Uh, Kristen Michaels has done a very good job, second time back there. So Seattle should be completely healthy. Let's check the injury reports for Arizona. Currently, just Chris Johnson, the backup, is basically out. Other than that, you pretty much got a full squad going um, in this game, and that's a little hard, obviously, when you start getting into week number seven in the NFL. Seattle, um, it's kind of been amazing to sit back and kind of watch them, this whole team kind of grow up. There's so many things that they're doing there that I think is very interesting. Number one is 
when they first kind of got there, it was all about running the football, beast mode, Marshawn Lynch, run, 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 run. We don't even know about these wide receivers. Well, now all of a sudden, Russell Wilson's games went to the next level. Um, one of the top-tier quarterbacks can run, throw, great leader. Um, and then you take a look at the wide receiver position. Doug Baldwin, who they drafted. Uh, Curse is in there out of Washington. Um, kind of a local kid up there. Lockett, who they took out of K-State, who was all-world at K-State. They make the big trade to go get Jimmy Graham. You're number one, he was hurt, and he looked kind of lost in there. And now you're number two, he's finally getting comfortable in that system. So they've really kind of went from that run, run, run to kind of more of a balance. And I would say they're more of a throwing team than they are a running team. Um, so I don't know how I kind of feel about that because that's Pete Carroll. You know, that's kind of what he was known for. So I get a little worried about that, especially when we get to the playoff time late in the year. You know, I get nervous when those guys are throwing 45, 50 times. Um, it seems like when I'm looking, you know, at Seattle, it's a lot of throws. Um, and I get it. They have a lot of skilled players. Um, and I think, obviously, too, you know, C.J. Procise, the kid they drafted, he's been kind of injured. Uh, Michael's solid. Um, but I don't know how solid he is. And, again, Rolls has been kind of out. So it's kind of like just trying to kind of fit week by week. I'd like to see them get a little more balanced. I'd like to see um, them get that way because I think Russell Wilson with his play action, especially running out of the bootleg, I think he would be tremendous at that. I know how good he was. Going back, watching him when he was at Wisconsin his last year there, or the only year there, um, he was so good at that. Um, so defensively, they're going to be fine. Um, they're always going to be that way. That's what Seattle does. Very good in the second half on adjust adjustments. That's what Pete Carroll does. He did it so good at USC. Uh, I remember the second half all the time on the team totals in the second half. You could just play the unders on the other team, and it was just like every week he would do so well at that. Um, so, again, Seattle's one of those teams to me that I'm, I'm a little nervous about just how much they're throwing the football. Again, I love everything. Stock up with them. Everything's great. I'm just kind of nitpicking because I'm talking about wins and losses and Super Bowls. I just think when they get deep, you look at those teams, they got to be kind of balanced. And I'm a little nervous about the running back position, and I kind of see where they're starting to go a little bit. I wish they kind of just dial it back a little bit, be a little more balanced, and I think they'll be just fine. Especially for them, this is a big game because last year Arizona took this division. They kind of wanted to show them, no, this is our division. But then you take a look at Arizona. Um, Arizona coming off of a 28-3 win over the Jets. Um, someone would say, well, that's a great win. I think the Jets right now are just absolutely going completely the wrong direction. Um, they're getting old. Um, Fitzpatrick wanted the big money. There's a reason why no one wanted to give him the big money. Every time when he has a year where he does okay, he follows it up with a bad year. He got the big money in Buffalo, and then he just dropped off completely. It's the same thing. And the offseason, he was so worried about getting paid. Well, I think you need to be worried about getting in there, getting reps, because... I think he has 11 interceptions, and now they're going to go to Geno Smith. And to me, and then I'll get back on Arizona, but this is a huge topic, and it's been the whole week I kind of wanted to go over this. If you're the Jets and you're sitting there, right, and you got a chance now and you're going to go to Geno, you took Petty a couple years ago in the third round. He looked pretty good in the preseason, right? I get Hackenberg, but why would you not go to Petty? You already know what you got with Geno Smith. You already know what you have with Fitzpatrick. Why would you not go to the young guy? If you're sitting at 1-5 and five and you're going to make a switch, so what are you going to do? for if, you're, if I'm petty, why am I even there? I mean, you're sitting there the same time. We've already been down this over and over with Geno Smith. So to me, it doesn't understand. So when I look at that game, and they did cover their favorite seven, Arizona, they win 28-3. to three. You know, I look at that and go, okay. Um, you know, at San Francisco, they win 33-21. We know about the Niners, even though that was a backup of Drew Stanton. 
Um, so, you know, a couple of their last games, they've won two, but I kind of take a look at the opponents. But Arizona's going to get revved up here because now they're going to want to show them, no, well, we won last year. So I think you're really, truly getting the best of the NFC West here. A couple things, too, I want to talk about with Arizona. I know they have a lot of skill positions on the outside, but a guy that doesn't get talked about enough is David Johnson, the running back. He is really good out of Northern Iowa. Very solid. Very good runner. Very good pass catcher. Very dynamic. I give him a lot of... Uh, praise there in Arizona for taking him. They took kind of a lot of heat for taking him early in that draft, especially coming out of Northern Iowa. Yes, I know what they've won championships. We're talking Division One here. So they took a lot of heat for that, and it was a great call by them because he is very talented. I'd like to see Arizona kind of focus more on him and kind of set that up because I, I have a lot of question marks with Palmer. Arm strength, there's a couple things that I see with him that I'm I'm just not convinced with him. I'd like to see them go more balanced with him, kind of limit the throws because they get a little pass happy sometimes. We know about Honey Badger. We know about Patterson. Chandler Jones has been a great pickup getting after him the pass rush. Golden's another guy that gets after it. So they have pieces. They have a lot of pieces. Right now they're kind of missing a little bit of their guards, so they're trying to kind of make it work a little bit if that's kind of the one wink link a little bit. Um, is their offensive line, both guard positions, are playing with their backups. Played decent against the Jets, which was kind of impressive, but we're going to have to see if they can continue that success. So, you know, going into this, you have two very good coaches. I'm kind of different. Pete Carroll, more defense. Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians great play caller, quarterback coach. Um, and both these teams want to prove to each other that we're going to be the best. And you can tell with Vegas, they basically have it as a pick em line. Again, you're sitting there looking at that total sitting at 43 and a half. So they're basically saying, okay, this should be obviously in the mid-40s. I think the line's about right where it needs to be. Um, this is going to be a classic game where I'm going to sit out and watch because there's a couple things that I want to think of here. I think Seattle overall is a better team. The problem is, though, is when you take a look at this and you have a team like Arizona, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder because everybody's already assumed that this is the year Seattle's going to do it. They're so much better than you. I've seen it happen so many times where that team like that that won that division feels like they've been kind of disrespected, kind of like the Washington Redskins. Everybody now has already got the Cowboys ahead of them. They're going to dominate again. They're selling a bunch of jerseys. No one talking about the Redskins, and now the Redskins put something together. So Arizona is going to come into this game very excited to play. They get to stay back at home again, looking forward to this contest. This should be a lot of fun. I could see this game going completely either direction. On the injury front, I think C.J. Procise will play. Um, look for him to kind of go in there with C.J. Spiller because I really liked him out of Notre Dame. That's going to be kind of another tool they can use. Um, very good out of the backfield. So this should really, truly be a lot of fun. And I think this will set up something where these two teams will meet and again. I know the Rams have been up there a little bit, but truly, Seattle-Arizona 1-2 in that division. I do think Seattle's a little bit better, but I think this could be a spot for Arizona where they want to really rise up and go ahead and pull this victory. Remember, if they lose, they go 3-4 and four on the year. They start to really fall back because then Seattle will be 5-1. and one. Seattle can afford to lose this game. To, in my opinion, Arizona cannot. Very important game for Arizona, bigger than Seattle. We're up against the clock. When we come back, we'll put the finishing touches. You're listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael, and we are in the last segment. And before this show's over, I want to make sure everyone knows to go to justinmichaelsports.com. Make sure you go in there if you enjoyed last week's free plays, which was profitable. Then make sure you do yourself a favor 
and go to justinmichaelsports.com. Okay, in this last segment, I do kind of want to go over a couple things, kind of a big topic because I get asked this all the time recently. What do you think about the Dallas Cowboys and how far they can go? And what do you see out of the two rookies in Prescott and Elliott? A couple things. Number one, Dak Prescott and Elliott are in a great position because everybody's going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott, and he's a great player. Take nothing away from him. I think he's very good. He was great at Ohio State, especially in big games. I love him between the tackles. Great player. Dak Prescott took Mississippi State at one time as junior year to number one in the country, so they're great players. But make no mistake about it, Dallas Cowboys have probably the best offensive line in all of the NFL. The left tackle, Tyrone Smith, in his prime. Frederick, the center, in his prime. Uh, Martin, in his prime. Lyle Collins is going to be a first-rounder. I mean, to me, they have four first-rounders. They're all young during their prime. So sometimes the one year you get drafted, it just fits a, a perfect spot. And good for Dallas for stepping up and taking Elliott and realizing, you know what, we can run the football now. We don't have to put our defense out there all the time because we're going to take the best tailback in the draft. We're going to run him the football. We're going to shut down rather than throwing all the time and getting Romo hurt. We're going to you know, go in that theory. And then it paid off great. Um, Deck Prescott. All the years of him playing at Mississippi State, playing in the SEC, big stadiums. He looks nice and poised. He's making great throws, um, and he's doing a great job. So I'm not taking anything away from them. I just think that there needs to be more um, the emphasis, and we need to talk more about the offensive line because the offensive line sets it all up. It is a very, very good offensive line. So we'll see how far they go. I talked about it on last week's show again. Cole Beasley, to me, is kind of like a Julian Edelman. Had another touchdown again last week. He's so hard to cover across the middle of the field. Really fast, shifty. Um, so, you know, we'll wait to see. Again, offensive line for me. Rob Marinelli, what he's done. Again, I talk about I've talked about it over and over and over. Incredible job of what he's done there. He gets so much um, out of guys that are just quite frankly, other places that you would look and go, What? How are they doing this again? Um, it's amazing if they can really start to build that side of the football up, especially the defensive line and the linebackers. Yeah, Sean Lee's there, but other than that, there's not much there to work with, and they really hustle. He gets a lot out of them. I've been very impressed with that. So, again, uh, congratulations to Dallas. They're doing a lot of right decisions there. I know Stephen Jones has made some good moves there. I think Jerry needs to take a seat in the back. I think Stephen needs to go up front. Remember, he wanted Johnny. They got Zach Martin. Um, he was upset he didn't get Paxton Lynch. They said, hold back. We'll be fine. We'll keep moving up the board. Let's stay true to the board. Um, so I've been very impressed with Stephen Jones. A couple things, too, I kind of want to go over. You know, there's the cornerback playing in Kansas City that I think, you know, everyone talks about like a Tlaib or Peterson or Revis. Who, Revis is really struggling this year. But you don't hear enough about Marcus Peters. This guy is unbelievable. Comes out as a rookie, Washington basically leads the NFL in interceptions. Right now he leads the, the league in interceptions with five. Every time I watch him play, I'm just amazed. His his ball skills are so good. He slipped a little bit in the draft because he was at Washington um, when Sarkeesian left, and they kind of had some different things going on with Peterson. It kind of bothered him a little bit, and so then he kind of got in the doghouse, and then he stepped away from Washington. Otherwise, this guy would have been a for sure first-round pick. Kansas City, good job to stand with your board, taking a chance on this guy because this is an elite corner, Marcus Peters, for Kansas City. Thank you so much for listening today. I had a blast with this show. Again, make sure you go to justinmichaelsports.com. You can always follow me on Twitter at justinmwins247. You can always give me a call, 402-513-3232. 
And also, thank you so much to all of my VIP members. I truly do appreciate it. And remember, at JustinMichaelSports.com, winning is everything.